0: graves, the gardens, and shame, the glory. Aren't you glad that it's the love of God that holds on to us? Can we just take a moment and just thank God for his, his great love that holds on? I mean, seriously, can we just take a moment and say thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you Lord. I'm so thankful that he holds on to us. Have you ever felt shame in your life? Anybody? Anybody ever felt shame? I kind of grew up in a culture that uh, had a pointed finger a lot of times, and I actually would hear people say the words, shame on you. Have you ever heard that? If you've never heard that, well, certainly you felt that. (coughs) Shame on you. Well, you know what? It is God that brings that shame, and when we let him, it turns it to glory. And we're going to be hearing a testimony tonight that is all about that. How God will take what seems to be like shame Well, it is shame heaped on us sometimes feeling shameful feeling like we're not worthy feeling like we're at our end feeling like we've turned away from God one too many times but the truth is God never turns away from us he's always looking our direction we could be a prodigal and the moment we come back, he's the father that's running out, ready to greet us. Amen. And it's God's love for us that takes us and creates us into a living garden, creates the garden. The old is gone, the new has come. Aren't you glad that with Jesus Christ in our life, things become new? Can we just take a moment right now? You guys are a little bit too quiet. I need you to like celebrate that. Like, aren't you glad that when Jesus Christ comes into our life and we give him our heart, things become new? I mean, seriously. Aren't you just so, I mean, that is the kind of thing that every single day of our lives, if we let it, can give us a leap of joy. St. Corinthians 5.17 says it. The the Good News Translation spells it out like this. Anyone who is joined with Christ is a new being. The old is gone. The new is coming. Wow. When we're joined with Christ, we're new. Made new. The old is gone. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that a lot of that old is gone. And it's forever gone. Sometimes the enemy of our souls will try to heap it back into our minds and get us to feel shame again for things that we did once before But God's already forgiven us. of. Well, that's a lie That's not the truth The things that the Lord God that we've surrendered to him and he's forgiven us and they're gone. They are gone forever The old is gone and the new is here You know, I loved it last last week when the ladies the uh, ladies' ensemble, the women's ensemble, was singing the song Never Once. Wasn't that just a wonderful moment? It was, well actually, the entire Saturday's uh, celebration last last week was, I mean, every every single thing about it was just awesome. And I'm just so glad I got to be a part of it. But specifically at the end, when Marsha was up here and she turned to each of the women, this is story, story. Story, story, story. It's interesting that right before the service that night, I was talking to someone in our congregation, and she was saying, "You know, we all have a story." I said, "Yes, we do, and they're all fascinating." Isn't it true? We could go around in story, 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 story. God knows our story. He knows our testimony. I love that Marcia did that, and she went to each lady and said a specific truth over them and over the story. Do you know that when we get the truth of the gospel and the truth of the love of God and light in our lives spoken into us, that that can cause, that's one of the things that can cause a grave to a garden. And it's one of the things that can cause shame to turn to glory. We have to claim the truth about what God says we are. And who God says we are What scripture says about us And not what other people Might say about us Especially when it's stuff that brings And heaps shame upon us We can be really good At saying shame on you Shame on you, shame on you, can't we? We can. It doesn't take real long to find something That we don't actually agree with or we have a different opinion about And we can heap shame real fast And you know what, we can also heap shame on ourselves Real quick too, can't we? I've been guilty of that. You make a mistake and then you feel bad about it and you feel guilty about it and you tell yourself shame on you. I'm glad that I serve a God who loves me, who never heaps shame on me. He might heap conviction on me and, uh, and convict my soul after a mistake that I've made or after a sin that's been in my life and he convicts me because he loves me. Why? Because he doesn't want me to feel shame. He wants me to feel freedom and love And forgiveness and joy and peace and salvation thank God that you don't keep shame on us we all have a story you know the Bible talks about that how important our story is in fact in Revelation the Bible tells us that's one of the ways that we overcome Revelation 12 11 says this they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb which is Jesus Christ and the word of their testimony you know how powerful every single testimony has been this last month and a half? You've heard them, you've we've watched them, you've seen the glory of the Lord, and you know that every single time that testimony is spoken, it overcomes because it's an overcoming factor. It's a way that we can overcome the heaping lies of the enemy that tries to come on us. We, we speak about what God's done in our lives and we give God glory and we overcome because the blood of the Lamb has saved our souls and what he's done in our lives and the way that we've travel through our journey and share our testimony we overcome nobody can dispute the power of a testimony for somebody who has overcome the enemy in their lives you know right before that scripture the Bible calls the enemy the accuser the accuser the accuser of the brethren the accuser of of people it's the enemy of our souls that tries to keep shame on us well, tonight's focus is all about that shame into glory, and we've already talked about it. We felt shame before in our lives, but listen to what John 16:33 says this says to us: "I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you you will have trouble, but take heart; I have overcome the world." <laughs> Can we say hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah to that? that Jesus has overcome the world. I mean, we can look at that first part and say, you know, I've told you these things. Jesus has told us all kinds of different things in his word and the red letters in the Bible. He's told us these things because he wants us to have peace, not feel shameful, because he knows that in this world, we're gonna have difficult times. There's gonna be times in our life that we really need to know God's peace. We always need to know God's peace, but there's gonna be trouble sometimes that comes our way. But take heart. I mean, the, the ending of this scripture is so celebrative. It's almost like the, 4th of, the Ju- 4th of July grand finale. I mean, it's like, but take heart. I mean, you can just picture all the fireworks going up in the air all at one time. It's like the big finale all of a sudden. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And you can just feel the glory of that. It's awesome. Jesus has overcome the world. Tonight, you're going to hear a testimony that Demonstrates how someone who loves God and was grown up in the church and grown up in faith and, and made some decisions. Well, it's just, let's just be clear. All of us have made some decisions. And it's such a glorious moment when we get to realize that god never left he never leaves and he doesn't keep shame and he loves us and he just continues to love and the moment that we turn back to him that turning point when we turn right back to him he's right there and he starts to take that shame and that guilt and and all the stuff that's well up from decisions that have been made and turn them back to his glory you know the dictionary calls says uh shame is this a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Well, we've all experienced that before. But it also says shame is a verb, making someone feel ashamed. Hmm. You know, it's a real sad thing when. When someone makes someone else feel shame, but it's a real glorious thing. When the lover of our souls, the God of the universe, takes that and turns it back to His glory, and His forgiveness, and His purpose, and His call, and His salvation. Amen. Amen. Would you guys welcome Josh? Josh is going to come up <laughs> going to share with us a little bit. You know, your wife joked, Josh, that uh, as you come up, we should have played the Ohio State fight song for you. Um, Oh, you're not even laughing at that. Okay. You may be my pastor, but I pray for you daily in that specific area. Well, we are talking about From Shame to Glory tonight. Um, So, you know, you can still be saved from that big Michigan flu. I don't know what's going on. Hi, Josh. Hello? Well, Josh, thanks so much for sharing tonight. And um, you know, as we've gotten to know you guys and Cindy, we just want you to know that we love you. Um, Church, we love, we love you, we love, the church loves you. And uh, you know, it's really awesome what God's been doing in your life. And uh, you know, we're gonna hear a lot about your testimony tonight, and we're excited for the church to hear it um, tonight. And uh, as you share what God's put in your heart and, and that sort of thing. But why don't you get us started with just to give us a little bit of who you are, what you're kind of doing now, and and, uh, what's going on in your life now. Well, thank you all so much. It is truly an
1: honor and a privilege to be able to share with you uh, just my story and about my journey and about uh, what I've gone through and really about how God has uh, transformed my life from shameful thinking into just being... Having the ability to just bring him glory through what he does through me, what he does through my wife. Um, so again, my name is Josh Emmerich. Uh, my wife and Cindy and I have been uh, consistently coming here since about January, um, and I'll explain about how we heard about Church of God in Sarasota in a little bit. Um, but right now, currently, um, uh, I work as the like outreach director at the Salvation Army in Manatee County and so um, what i do is i work with the homeless on the streets every day Um, at least five hours every day i'm sharing the gospel with people praying for people um, just seeing what needs they have and just being uh, a bright part of their day Um, and actually it's kind of funny dealing with a lot of people who are walking through shame themselves and so um, it's kind of cool how god's using that and by the way i want to thank you Um, uh, uh, last month uh, church guide sarasota partnered with us um, to get some umbrellas and ponchos, and uh, we had over, I think it was like 130 total umbrellas and ponchos that were donated, so thank you so much. And I had a chance to give them out uh, to so many people, and they said, oh, where'd this come from? I said, church does there, so, so they were just heartfelt, they were very thankful. And, uh, you know, because a lot of these people have experienced some things in their lives where they might be apprehensive about the church or might have a wall up. And so it's just those seeds being planted that are starting just to tear down those walls step by step. So thank you. And um, my wife, Cindy, uh, we've been married for just over a year. Um, March 7th, last year, is when we got married. And, uh, Uh, On our way back from our honeymoon in like Asheville, North Carolina is when we turned on the radio in our In our car and we started hearing the stories about this coronavirus and things starting to shut down So we got that in just in the nick of time and so babe, I love you Uh, I consider it an honor and a joy to call you my wife and my best friend. So uh, That's just me currently
0: We're just gonna celebrate that you guys, you know, 2020 wasn't an easy year, and you guys, you got married literally right before, before things really started going like, you know. Yeah, we
1: worked for almost the whole first three months of our marriage together at home, We're remotely from home. We used to um, challenge each other and debate who would go out and get the mail from the mailbox because we just wanted to get outside, so it was very unique.
0: Uh, Well, there's a testimony right there. (laughs) Josh, you know, I'm just intrigued with your entire story. So I really would love for the church to hear even some of the beginning, some of your upbringing, and and, uh, kind of what made you, you. Yeah, for sure, so I grew up
1: in southwest Michigan, a small town by the name of Sturgis. Um, It has about maybe 15, 20,000 people. My high school class was only 200. So it's a very small town, um, definitely small compared to Bradenton in the likeness of Sarasota. Um, But I grew up, I am the oldest of four kids, um, my dad Ernie, my mom Lori, um, uh, myself, my brother Justin, my sister Ariel, who I'll talk about shortly, and my sister Hannah, who's actually joining us tonight. Um, And so um, I I grew up in um, a small community. Um, My grandparents are the ones who really went to church a lot. My parents would go to church on like occasion when I was a kid, but my grandparents were the ones who consistently would. And they're actually watching online right now. And um, you know, uh, my grandpa was an elder in the church. My grandpa, um, he retired um, some time ago, but he was a truck driver. And But he was a truck driver that could share the gospel with anyone that he could. And he had such a heart for the Lord, he still does. And he serves at a church now up in Leesburg. But I remember going to church with them. They're the ones who would bring me to church when my parents couldn't take me and my brother. And my grandpa was the main greeter. And so I'd always stand at the door and just greet people with them. And I grew up in the Church of God. So this was a Church of God in uh, the First Church of God in Sturgis. Um, Eventually in high school, um, we transitioned to the First Church of God in. LaGrange, Indiana. Yes, two separate states, but I lived right on the state line, so it was really only like a tiny drive from where I grew up. Um, And so, um, yeah, just got exposed to the church. Um, I uh, felt the call to ministry when I was in the ninth grade. Um, And so, um, God just surrounded me with some great people, not just my grandparents and my parents as well. Um, my parents started going to church consistently too, and so our whole entire family every Sunday was in church. And so I felt this call um, and um, started getting involved in ministry. And so I went to school at like Anderson University, it's a church-adopt college. And when I finished up with school, um, I started uh, my jobs in youth ministry. So I pastored in Michigan. Uh, pastored in Central Indiana, uh, pastored here in Vermont, um, a youth ministry in Vermont. Um, it was beautiful. the 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 backdrop, the church was just mountains all over the place, and so I I absolutely love doing that. Um, that's us playing a game of human um, foosball with a dodgeball. So um, thankful, thank the Lord, there was no injuries during that game. It got pretty intense. Um, but yeah, so, and then from there, um, I moved to Central Arkansas, and um, and I started pastoring a church of God in that area as the pastor. So, um, and that was all of a period of probably about a total of, I would say,
0: six years that I was in ministry. Thank you. You know, at you made it pretty clear that your family, your upbringing is extremely important to you. And, you know, so far, so good, pretty much in your life. You know, I mean, I'm sure there was some curveballs and things that came, you know, in college or different times in life. But but really, um, there was one specific thing that happened in, in the life of your family that was really much, much more than a curveball. It was actually a big blow. Um, love for love share about that.
1: Yeah, so um, back in two thousand and really ten, I believe it was. uh, My sister Ariel, um, she there's a a picture of her and I right there on the way to her high school graduation. Um, My parents had moved with my uh, sister Ariel and my sister Hannah to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and um, when they were hiking one day, and so my sister Ariel, just to back up a little bit, um, she was always in like a special needs class. Um, sh- we learned some sign language, she had tubes in her ears. Um, she had some learning disabilities, but also some developmental disabilities as well. She was very, very short, um, and and so, we always knew that there was something there, but we knew that God made her uniquely, and so we just loved on her, and, and we just surrounded her. Um, you know, obviously, as a big brother, got really close to her, obviously, um, and so they had moved to central Arkansas, and one day they were hiking, and the um, started being short of breath, and her lips started turning blue, um, her fingers started turning blue, and my mom, who was a nurse for many years, said something's wrong. And so they took her for a heart scan and for a heart echo, um, and, cause they felt she wasn't having enough oxygen running through her blood and it was there that they determined that my sister's heart was only functioning at like around 20%. And so they sent her to a children's hospital, which I just wanna say it's, it's, God had something planned because the best children's hospital for kids with cardiovascular disease and issues was the Arkansas Children's Hospital 45 minutes away from them. And so uh, my sister Ariel um, was a candidate for a heart transplant. And so we waited for some time and um, she got her first heart transplant. Um, And once she got her first heart transplant, she started doing much better. Um, She ended up getting her, um, you know, um, she ended up being voted um, prom queen. Her entire high school class voted her prom queen. Um, And But there was something about Ariel, even in the midst of this, and I think Hannah would agree with this, that her faith in God was unwavering, so unwavering. You know, she says, I may be weak, but God is stronger, something that she would say all the time. And so Ariel was doing good, and then her first transplanted heart started to give out again. And so um, we actually waited, and Ariel received a second Heart donation. And so Ariel was doing well, um, you know she was in high spirits. Um, one day she um, felt really odd and just really off, and so my parents had taken her to the children's hospital, which conveniently was so close, um, and they did some tests, and she's perfectly fine, she's okay, and so um, I was, I had brought up my youth group to a theme park up in that area that day, and Hannah was with me that day, and I remember um, going to the theme park, seeing the Newsboys Boys in concert, which was just an amazing experience. And then uh, we stayed the night in the hotel, woke up the next morning, and uh, the whole youth group was coming with me to hear me preach at a local church in the area. And we were at a Starbucks, and um, sorry I'm being so specific with this, but this is just a, a, just a huge moment that my dad called me in a panic. Um, he called Hannah, actually, and said, hey, hand the phone to Josh. And he said, it's your sister, Ariel. She's not breathing, she's not responding, they're rushing her to the hospital. And so, um, when I got there, when we got there, I saw the ambulance arrive, and I saw them rolling aerial in, working on her, Um, and I just knew something was very, very wrong. And so, um, my parents got there, and um, that's when the doctor pulled us into a room and informed us that my sister Ariel did not make it. Um, so she was 19. Uh, she passed away in like August of 2012. In um, one of the hardest moments in my life, and it broke me, was seeing my sister lifeless on an ER bed, and there was nothing I could do for her as a brick broke. One of the hardest moments in my life, and just broke my heart. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of kind of funny that as a youth pastor, you always teach your students to really just make their faith their own, and to really just speak to God. And one of the things that they'd always asked me was, you know, how do you pray for people? You know, how do you know when to pray? And just, just working with them on that. And I remember walking out with my parents, with tears in my eyes, walking out with my family. And this entire youth ministry of about 60 kids just surrounded us, laid hands on us, and just started praying for us. And so, um, that was a great moment. Um, you know, one of the proudest moments in youth ministry. and God could do so much with that. Um, but the enemy started to really get into my ear. And so, from there, if it's okay if I just transition into... This is this was really a huge turning point in my life. Here I was, um, I would say, you know, God's glorified but successful in ministry and, um, you know, doing great things for the kingdom of God. And, uh, but I started feeling really lonely. Like, being without a sister um, left a really huge void in our family, but it also left a huge void in my heart. And so, um, I started talking to a woman, um, who was in ministry at my parents' church at the time, and really rushed into things very, very quickly. Um, we started to date about a month after Ariel passed. My parents were, were, you know, just trying to offer advice, like, you know, take things slow, be sure about this. I had pastors speaking into my life saying, use wisdom and discernment. Something doesn't feel right here. Um, but I was stubborn. I wanted to fill that void in my life, and I wanted to fill it quickly, and so I, I ignored many of the voices that were speaking into my life. And so we dated for about three months, got engaged, and in February, um, uh, just two months after we got engaged, we were married and so she was pastoring a a church close by to me at that time so i had uh, left my role in youth ministry to start doing more worship and youth type ministry at her church and so um we just started doing that um and god was really using us in ministry um but really god was speaking into my life but the reality is i was ignoring a lot of what he was telling me God doesn't have to rely on me to fulfill what His agenda is. You, you guys catching me on that? I might not have been following the voice of the Holy Spirit, but God wasn't gonna allow that to hinder His kingdom agenda being advanced. And so um, we were married for, you know, um, for about 11 months, and then um, we started, a few months prior to that, I knew that things were off, that things just weren't right. Um, she would start to block me off a little bit. Um, She had quit her job. Um, I came home one day and she said, I don't want to do ministry anymore. Like, okay. And so I stepped in as an interim lead pastor for those churches and um, just preached every Sunday and just not sure what was really going on. And then one day, um, she decided she didn't want to do marriage anymore either. And so... Um, Here I was, not just experiencing one loss, but two losses in my life, um, all within a matter of months. Actually, all within a matter of a year, really. And um, it was there that I started to really experiencing a lot of shame, that's the best way to put it. Um, Felt like God can't use me anymore. You know, I had people in my church look at me and point at me and say, you're a fraud. Um, I heard voices in my head saying, you know, you're broken. God can't use anyone who's broken. If you couldn't keep your marriage together, what makes you think you can keep a church together? Um, And so, that just really anchored me. It really anchored those voices. I mean I immediately went on self-defense. Um, you know, you know, saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, it's it's the church. The church is the issue, God's the issue. And I just started getting really, really angry. And I ran. I ran as far as the East is from the West. You know how God says as far as the East from the West, I know your sins no more. To me when i think of that i think of how far i ran the furthest from god that i could run um, and um, i started to party a lot um, got involved in a lot of drinking uh, experimented with some drugs um, but i was on the party scene i loved to drink um i i loved you know i, I slept around a lot i'll be honest and uh, Just very angry. Didn't want to hear anything about God. I'd moved from job to job to job. And I remember my grandmother telling me, you know, you're not going to be happy. You're not truly happy because you're not in God's will. You're not doing what God has called you to do. But I ignored it. And so, um, yeah, just got involved with a lot of stuff. um, A lot of um, not wanting to really listen to the authority God had placed in my life whether it be a pastor or my parents or my grandparents, you name it, I was out for myself and myself alone.
0: First of all, I want to say sorry that you felt that shame. I also want to say sorry that you felt it heaped on you from people. You know, that stuff. Um, but I'm so glad that, that you're sitting here right now. And uh, that's not the end of the story. Um, and in fact, my favorite parts of this story are coming in. You know, it's all part of it. But I'm glad it's not the end. So you ended up going back to Michigan?
1: Michigan? Okay. Yeah, so I ended up relocating back to my hometown of Michigan. Um, and there I got involved in the retail management. I managed the Walgreens for three years. and. Um, uh, I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I was there. I met a girl, um, and we moved in together. And so we started, um, you know, we would we lived in a two bedroom townhouse together, we had our own cars, and just, you know, going to party at the lake every weekend, drinking, and um, just working and partying. That's what my life consisted of. And, um, um but eventually, my brother and sister-in-law moved up to Grand Rapids um, and they had a place and um, they just started talking to me more and my, you know, it was good having family there because I didn't have a whole lot of family around me at, at this particular time. And my brother said, hey, we go to this church that we love. We found this new church. How about you just come with us on Sunday? And I said, okay. So what's really kind of unique about this is, here I was, spending I mean, the last three, four years, really, four years of my life just running full steam ahead, kind of with this vision, <coughs> these lies and this shame speaking to me. You know, I think I just ran so far because I thought the game was over. I think that was just it for me. And so here I was just running full steam ahead, and this whole entire time, God's right beside me going, hey, you know, I'm right here, I haven't left you, I'm right here. But I was just so fixated on my shame and on my guilt, um, and my response to that shame and that guilt, that's what I was fixated on. And it was in that moment, when I was at church with them, that I finally looked over and I called the Flint, and I'm like, okay, God's there." Um, it was such a huge moment because it had been so long that honestly, I really forgot he even existed, um, and uh, and so yeah, so um, we started. Um, so I started going to church there on occasion. I was still really skeptical about it all. Still had my walls up, um, but you know, um, you know it's funny how we always say that God's God's late, but God's never late. He's just sometimes not on the schedule that we expect. And so, um, my parents had moved down to Bradenton, Florida. And um, this was in 2016. And my parents said, hey, you know, why don't you come down here and move down with us? I wanted to change the scenery. I was tired of the snow. I loved vacationing in Florida, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to love living here too. And so um, this is unique. I, I, I didn't share this with you, but I requested a transfer to a different watering store. And the transfer process for a store manager can take up to a year because it's, it's not like a cashier position. There's not as, you know, there's only one store manager per store. It usually will take six months to a year. I got a call in two weeks saying, we have a store for you here in year, so that we would like you to come down to. And so God just opened that door. I didn't see it, I thought I was just really lucky. So I moved down and my parents said, hey, you know, you can live with us, but we just have three words. And my dad sat me down and he said, You am gonna pick up after yourself you're gonna help me with work around the house. And the third is this, we know that you have to work some Sundays, but any Sunday that you're free, we go to this church in the area and we want you to to come with us. I said, okay, that's easy enough, easy. You know, I can live with my parents for six months, save up money, find a place, I can do that. So I started going to this church and started getting connected with all these different people. And, um, this Passover, the men's ministry, and the young adults really just started to surround me. Um and it was that moment that I realized that God still had a plan for my life. And so um I actually recommitted my life to Christ over that time. I was rebaptized. And so I was baptized for a second time. Um and this was in uh 2016. And um just started realizing that god was present and god started to rewrite the story of my life and a lot of the shame that i was feeling um, god started to reveal to me that um, we're just downright lies you know god's the author of my story so how do i how dare i pick up that pen you know he's in charge of it all and so Um, So I did that. Um, God had called me into a season of learning and so I decided to enroll at Southeastern University in Lakeland and uh, started to just realize that I didn't know everything like I thought I knew everything before. And so God called me into this season of learning in ministry um, and just learning what it really means to serve people, have a heart for people, um, and there, I just, just graduated in December with my master's degree in ministry. And so that was a huge, huge moment, um, a really humble moment of, of learning that, um, you know, a lot of the shame that I experience with my divorce and with my lifestyle uh, really, doesn't define who I am. You know, the like enemy told me, "You're not worth anything." You come from a failed marriage, and God said, "No, you're you're my child. You're my son." Um, you know, and so I just really just want to encourage everyone that you know it's um, Satan never has a, the final word. Shame never has the final. word. Guilt never has the final word. So I did that. Um, and during this time, um, you know, I met a girl at church, and her name is Cindy. And so we just started talking, I had been her from Year's prior to Bayside. And I just started talking, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny that I was married before to a woman who was called to ministry, but didn't really have a heart for it. Didn't even really have a heart for marriage. And here God brought along a woman who wasn't called to vocational ministry, but has a heart for ministry, has a heart for him, and has a heart for marriage, and has a heart for people. And um, you know, so met her, and we dated for about a year. Um, we got engaged, um, actually in West Virginia right overlooking the New River Gorge Bridge. And um, so March of last year, uh, we were married. And so um, it's just a group of people just praying over us as we began our journey together. And uh, you know, um, this is Cindy's second marriage too. Uh, She came from a failed marriage, I came from a failed marriage. i um, just so grateful. I was just talking to her about it the other day, how grateful I am that God gave her and I both second opportunities. And, and God's a God with second chances. He, he really is. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing uh, what God's done. And, um, you know, so, yeah, we just started doing life together, marriage together. Um, I started volunteering at our church more and more. And, um Started realizing that you know God was really, r- really using me. He was present, and it was cool because I not only saw God present in my life and in ministry, but I see God present in my marriage every single day. And what an awesome reminder from the Josh of years ago who didn't even realize He was there to the Josh now um, who who sees God in midst of everything. And I'm so grateful for that.
0: Beautiful picture. Can we celebrate there? It's wonderful. Sorry we missed that day, but would love to have been there. But we're glad to be with you guys now, that's right. And uh, you know, your journey to be from that moment to be, being in this seat right here at Church of God Sarasota is one that's really inspiring to us as well, but we are so glad that you and Cindy and your family are, are here that are part of this family, and uh, I know you want to share just a little bit about that because there's a moment we want to celebrate that God brought you to um, on Easter here at uh, Church of God in so would you uh, share that part of it with us? Yeah, so it's funny how
1: when you're in the midst of kind of like these pinnacle moments, like here we are at this church that we were serving at, and I got really involved in men's ministry, we started to coach and lead a lot, a lot, a lot of men at that at that specific church. But the more Cindy and I started praying, we kind of started realizing that there was, that God had something more for us. We weren't sure what it was. We weren't gonna rush into anything, but we just wanted to take time and just pray about it. And so um, about a year prior to this, actually, right after we got married, we had um, my grandparents, who I talked about at the beginning of my uh, story, Um, They go to a Church of God up in Leesburg, Florida And they said, hey, you know, our church supports The church in Sarasota called Church of God here, so God's doing some great things there You should check it out And the first time I heard that, I was like You know, that's great, you know I like the uh, church on Facebook You know, I'm going to pray for them But things are going so well where I'm at right now Why would I want to leave? And so, um, that was kind of like the first um, thought about what God was doing um, here, and, and just about the church here, and then when Cindy and I started to pray more about if God might have something different or more for us—not really anything different, but really just something more—we felt that there was breakthrough coming that God had something more for us, and so um, we have some friends um, who are from the West Virginia area, and they said, "Hey, we're we're really good friends with this." couple who live in sarasota and they are in the business right now of resurrecting the church okay this is kind of interesting what's the name of the church church of god sarasota this is the second time that we've heard about this church and so i remember uh, going and having lunch with eric one day um, and this was back in like october i think it was and we just started talking he just started sharing your heart and what God was doing and um, got really excited about it. Um, then life happened, we, you know, um, we, uh, we lost a grandparent. Um, our family went through several bouts of uh, having COVID. And, uh, and so, but I really think that we were really pressing towards that and the enemy at that time was just trying to throw everything in our way that he could. To prevent us from being consistently here, and so when we got through COVID, we made the decision. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna take a step forward. We're gonna take a leap together, and we're gonna join this congregation in So, and so we started, and um, you know, I you know when I was first in ministry for many years, I loved worship a lot. I, you know, I was a youth pastor and I was a worship pastor, and I had played. Guitar in years, and in December, um, I remember my first guitar with my failed marriage. I had sold it just to eat for the week. Um, and in December, be surprising with a Christmas present, and it was my first acoustic guitar that I've had in over eight years. And I started playing it again. Started talking with Marsha, I remember Tina. She kept approaching me saying, hey, you know, you should really, you know, join the worship team, play, sing, and I was like, well, I'm not ready for that yet. You know, I was like, well, I'll just start out with playing guitar. Because in reality, a lot of that, you know, I had dealt with most of the shame, but some of that shame was still present. Because it was like, you know, God can't really use you anymore in worship ministry. You know, so I kept talking about everything else. Hey, I'm good. I'm gifted in small groups, I'm gifted in youth ministry, I'm gifted in discipleship, stuff like that. But no, God kept pressing into me about doing worship. And so Marsha and Tina finally approached me and said, hey, would you like to join an ensemble for our Easter Sunday service? And I said, you know what? Why not? Can't hurt anything, I'll do it. And so not only was I an ensemble, and Tina's like, hey, can you participate in the worship team? that Sunday, or that Saturday, and I said, sure. And so that Saturday, or on, during our like Easter service, I actually helped lead worship. And um, it was the first time I've been on the stage in over eight years. Um, and um, that was a huge moment. Um, and I remember texting both
0: Marsha and Eric after that service saying, Um, I actually have that exact text right here. Would you be okay if I read that? Absolutely. Because it's such an awesome moment there, Josh. Um, You know, when we first started talking, you're like, in the midst of all the things that you're talking about, for God to bring you to the moment that He brought you to in Easter, it really was an accumulation of like, like you're saying, the shame coming off and you just letting God be who God is in your life, and what He was bringing you to. So he texts us after the service and he said, Cindy took this tonight. So this is the picture, actually. This is the picture that she took. Um, They're going to put it up there, right there. Isn't that awesome? You can just see that. Cindy took this tonight, and I just wanted to say thank you for so long. I thought I was broken and a defective vessel who could never be used by God again in ministry. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to serve I'm thankful, listen to this, I'm thankful for a God who is very much alive and redeems, amen? <laughs> that is exactly what God has done, from shame to glory. Josh, um, before we wrap up this part of the service, is there anything else in your heart that you wanna, wanna say as about that moment right there from Easter. Yeah, just um, just
1: remember that God is the author of the story. I keep saying that time and time again. Um, and, and we all have a story, just like Marcia shared last week, we, we all have a story. Um, and sometimes we pick up the pen, and we try to write it. And that's the perfect moment that the enemy comes in and just starts feeding the lies into your head. Um, and so I just want to tell you that Uh, God is a redeeming God. God is in the business of redemption. He's not in the business of anything else but redemption. And and so um, I just hope that my story um, is just a reminder that, you know, that we do walk through hardships in our lives, and we walk through struggles. Um, But that's just our human nature. But... um, you know, if the story ends there, you know, then there's really no point for the cross. And, and, and we all know the words and the power of the cross. Um, the cross itself is a symbol of, of redemption. And so um, well the grave is really the symbol of redemption. But um, so yeah, I just hope that's just encouraging to you um, as you know as you journey through life that um, just be mindful that shame is not of the Father. Um, shame doesn't bring him glory, so why would he want to, like, offer that shame? Let's, let, let's be real. And so uh, I just hope that encourages you that God's got his second chances, and um, he's in the business of rewriting stories. He's in the, in the business of resurrecting lives. So um, if you haven't experienced that before, I just encourage you just to surrender. Just open yourself
0: up. Buckle up, because you're going to have to write your life. Amen. Amen. Right, Josh. You know, from shame to glory, and I'm thinking about the moment when you were going to your brother's church and God's over you're like, God's over there like this, and you, you you finally looked. That turning point moment where the scripture that we were talking about is so true. In this world you will have trouble, whether it's a result of our decisions or things that have come our way. I mean, you were you were experiencing all that and the shame and everything, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And here you are, a living testimony of someone who has allowed the love of God to move some you from shame to his glory and leading worship on Easter right here. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for everything that He's done and thank you for sharing your testimony tonight with us. Can we give uh, thanks to God. If, if it's okay with you guys, Sydney, we would love to invite you to come up here, and Marsha, my wife, and she's going to come up, and we want to have a prayer over you guys as a church, and Marsha's going to voice that prayer. In fact, let's move these uh, seats together so you guys can be real close and, uh, and do that, and we'll, we'll yeah, absolutely.
2: And inspiration for others tonight that find themselves in any part of the seasons that you've been through that they can be encouraged tonight. Let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you for the courage that you've given Josh tonight to step forward and say, hey, here's my journey. It kind of stinks, but it has God's glory written all over it. And we thank you, Lord, that he's been so open to share tonight. God, I pray if anyone in this room tonight finds himself in any season, like I mentioned, any season that Josh has been through, that they would just look and see that you are right there, Lord. That you have always been there. And just like we say last week, never once did Josh ever walk alone. Never once did Cindy ever walk alone. Never once had we ever walked alone. You have been beside us all along. Calling us to yourself. Calling us to redemption. Calling us to lay down our shame and our sin and our past and our regrets and our pain and pick up your love and your healing power and your resurrection power and your redemption. And so Lord, we thank you that Josh is telling that story tonight. We thank you that he sits here beside his beautiful wife Cindy and that their story together is so powerful. They are a story of redemption, not just Josh. They are, Lord. And we thank you for the heart that you're putting in them to come to this church and to serve here and to lead here and to lead without chains, to lead with freedom, God, because you are the one who calls and you are the one who commissions. And so, God, we thank you that you've done that in Josh. And we thank you, Lord, that their story is not over, that you are just getting started in them and through them. And so, Lord, we just pray that this church would be a giant fan of flaming into them, just giving them all the oxygen they need to keep moving forward in life, in faith, and in marriage. God, that we could be a church that could cheer them on all the way, whatever you do with them, wherever you take them, however you use them here or beyond here, Lord. We just count it an honor to be part of the journey. And God, we thank you for those grandparents that planted seeds long, long ago of faith. And those grandparents that are watching tonight And they're saying, that's our grandson. And they prayed him through, I know it, just like all of our grandparents probably have. And God, we thank you for them. We pray that they would be blessed tonight and Josh's family for what they've been through. God, that they would feel your giant arms wrapping around them, hugging them and holding them, comforting them, and beckoning them on to even more and more life and love and faith. God, we thank you for this night. We pray that you would truly just continue to pour your blessing and encouragement on Josh and Cindy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much. That's awesome. You know, it's God's will for each and every one of us that we live, that we have life, that we have it to the full. Do you believe that? And if you're here tonight and you're experiencing a life that is weighted down with with shame, hear Joshua's testimony. You don't have to carry that weight anymore. That's a heavy weight to carry. And chances are, it's it's, it's not even your weight to carry. (laughs) You give it to God, and he'll take it away forever. If you're feeling conviction of the Lord tonight, though, and you know there's something in your life that you want to let go of and ask God to forgive you of, you know what, that weight and that heaviness can be gone too, whatever it is tonight. Know that God loves you. And it's his will for each of us to live and to have life. I'm just so excited that right now, the song that they're getting ready to do really does bring us into that, even in a a really fun and amazing way. And how cool is it that Josh, having testified to what God has done in his life and bringing that shame off, and you saw what happened on Easter, is actually gonna really lead this song. So are you ready? Are you guys ready?